want to talk to you about the subject, when faith becomes doubt. Let's look in verse 1 together. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violence take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When faith becomes doubt... I don't know where you are in life right now. Maybe some of you feel like you're in a pretty good position. Maybe some of you are, are, are struggling during this time. But wherever you are, I really believe that this is a message that you need to hear. When faith becomes doubt. How many of you have heard the expression, never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light? Anybody heard that? All right, we've got a little bit of life here. Anybody heard that expression? Never, yeah, there we go. Good morning, glad that you're here today. Never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. You know, there's a lot of truth in that statement. We ought to believe what God has told us regardless of how we feel, but that's a lot easier said than done, is it not? It's very easy when times are discouraging to begin to doubt the promises of God now, make no mistake, we, we ought to know exactly what we believe. There's a, a reason for our faith, the Bible tells us. And one of the problems in the Protestant evangelical world is that we do not examine the doctrines of the faith for which our Lord gave His life. In fact, many of us brag on not knowing very much about the Bible. <laughs> Knowledge at an all-time high, biblical literacy at a historic low. It's a sad day in the age of the church when we do not desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. Contrary to popular belief, our faith is not blind. Jesus made sure there were witnesses who saw him physically after he got out of that grave. But some of the best of believers still come to the point where they begin to doubt. What do you do when those times of discouragement come? D.L. Moody, the famous evangelist out of Chicago in the late 1800s, 
reportedly had a woman come up to him after the service and she proudly said, Mr. Moody, I have never doubted my salvation. To which Moody reportedly replied, Madam, I doubt that you are saved. There's some truth in that. And now Matthew tells us of John the Baptist, whom Jesus has lauded as the greatest born among women, nevertheless having a moment of crisis in faith. John had been baptizing in the Jordan River. He was basically running a baptism factory out there in the wilderness. He's been preaching repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's referred to the Pharisees as a brood of vipers who should flee from the wrath to come. And now he's gotten into Herod's face because Herod took his brother's wife as his own, committing adultery. John has called him out on it, and Herod has thrown him in prison. And it's in prison when John begins to doubt. What happens when you begin to doubt the ones who you're supposed to trust the most? That's the situation in which John finds himself One thing that is true is that God often works in ways in which we do not understand. And it's true in John's situation as well. And the question that he's asking is a familiar one because as he sits in this prison cell, you can imagine him hearing the words of the Lord, knowing the Old Testament prophecies that judgment will come on Israel. And he's thinking about this judgment that is supposed to come. And he's looking around him and the one who is supposed to be judged, Herod, who knows nothing of the things of God, is being exalted, and John, the righteous prophet, is thrown in prison. And you can see John looking around in this prison cell and wondering, what in the world went wrong? Is this really the way things are supposed to be? Oh, you know what that's like. Because every time you seek in something or someone other than God for satisfaction, you're asking the exact same question. God, why is it this way? And this great prophet, the voice crying in the wilderness, the one who, when he heard of the Lord's coming, leaped for joy in his mother's womb, the one who said, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face who shall prepare thy way before thee. This John, who had that great voice, has been overcome with spiritual laryngitis. This John, the great prophet of old, now sends his disciples, and he asks Jesus an astonishing question. He says, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? I know what it's like to ask that question. I was about 15 years old. I went through some of the most profound doubt that I have ever experienced, as much as a 15-year-old can go through. Some people say, well, kids or teenagers don't have problems. I totally disagree. I think kids and teenagers sometimes have it worse than all of us. It's a difficult time period. And I'd struggled with my salvation from For several years, I'd wondered, you know, had I done everything right? You know, did I go forward so that I could truly repent of my sins, or did I go forward so I could get get out of hell free card? I mean, what had I done? Had I done it all in the right order? Was I really trusting in God? Was I trusting in myself? Was I just praying some words? I tend to be a person who suffers from OCD. I've got checklists for everything, and here I am checking off all the steps in salvation, making sure they were right. It was a really, really difficult time. My sophomore year 
uh, of high school. And I remember talking with my father, who loves this passage of Scripture, he used to teach it over and over in our Sunday school class. Like every Sunday, he would make a reference somehow to Matthew 11 and John the Baptist. And I remember him saying to me in frustration after he tried to reason with me from the Scriptures, he said, Barry, I think one day you're going to wake up and find yourself pleasantly surprised that you made it to heaven in spite of yourself. I sure hope so. Through one especially hard period during those months, I walked in on my mother and found her in tears over what I was experiencing. I lost weight, a bunch of weight. I need to lose some weight right now, but I don't want to lose it the way I lost it then. And out of all the times that my pastor helped me in my life, and there were many, I think this was the time when he came through as as much as any of those. He took me into his office and began to reason with me from the Scriptures. And then he said something to me that has just stuck. He, He said, Barry, the only ones who truly doubt are those who know God or who are seeking God. He said, the reason is this. Those who are without God don't seek Him and don't profess Him and don't doubt Him because they don't believe. And so the fact that you do believe, the fact that you do question where God is and what He's doing, whether or not you're right with the Lord is a good sign. And then He said, would you be willing to do this? Would you be willing right now to get on your knees and pray with me and say, Lord, heaven or hell, sink or swim, I trust in you. I told him I would. I got on my knees on the back of that little red cushion chair that he had in his office that wasn't very comfortable and sold the Lord that. I can't tell you the peace of God that overcame me during that period because what you have to learn to do, and I had led people to the Lord myself. I had seen God answered prayer. I knew how He worked. But to think that I could fully trust Him for everything, just seemed beyond my grasp. You know what I'm talking about? Listen, I don't know what each person is going through right now. Some of you are going through some financial difficulties because you've told me about it. Some of you are struggling in your marriage. Maybe you're struggling with raising your kids or kids who are out of the home right now. I don't know what your issue is right now. I don't know what you're going through, but I will tell you this. You are more than welcome to come and talk with us as pastors anytime. We'll be glad to pray with you and reason to you from the Scriptures. We don't claim an expertise, but I've just got to tell you, really, all I have to offer you is this. There are just times when all you can do is cling to the promises of God by faith. That's what He tells you to do. And in this particular passage of Scripture, notice how John reacts to to all of this. We're such fragile creatures. When things go well, we ascend up into heaven. When things go poorly for us, we descend into the abyss. Even the weather changes our mood. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's raining. It's too much sunshine. I've heard people complain about sunshine, by the way. But what we understand is that sometimes even when we can sense the presence of God more than others, that our faith is ultimately not dependent on our feelings, but on our beliefs, on whom we choose to trust. And it's only when we begin to believe that we will begin to understand. It's what noble Augustine said, that great theologian who watched as Roman Empire burned to the ground 
said, I used to try to understand in order to believe, but then he said, I finally got to the point where I decided to believe in order to understand. All of the evidence in the world is here that Christianity is real. You can find all sorts of things, but there still comes a point in your life when you have to put your visible trust in the invisible God. When you have to stop looking at the horizontal and start looking towards the vertical. And I love how Jesus responds to John here. He doesn't directly rebuke him. He doesn't directly condemn him. Look at what he does. He doesn't even give him a straight yes or no answer. He says, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them and blessed is one who is not offended by me. John would have understood every single one of those implications coming from the Old Testament. He was a prophet himself. And what Jesus was telling him was, I am the one you are seeking. Listen to my voice. And Jesus could have said, John, get your act together. John, you proclaim me in front of all these people. Straighten up so everybody will know who I am. Don't doubt me now. But he doesn't do that, does he? He doesn't condemn John at all. He expresses compassion for him. Look what he goes on to say. He gives this series of contrasts. He says to the people, what did you go out to see? A reed shaken by the wind? John was in prison precisely because of his resolve. He stood on the word of God. Did you go out to see someone dressed in fine clothes? (laughs) John wasn't about to be on the cover of GQ magazine, and his cuisine was not going to be featured on the Food Network. Anybody going to eat locust after the service? He said, what did you go out to see? John is similar to Old Testament prophets, and yet he's more than a prophet. 400 years the people have waited. Here is John. Of those born among women, none is greater than he. And yet he who was born in the kingdom is greater even than John. Because what has been revealed before is nothing compared to what shall be revealed right now when the Spirit of God will be poured out upon people. And John learned something in the prison that day as Jesus sends word back through John's disciples that the power that he has and the power that we have The power that every believer has who has ever walked the face of this earth, that power does not come from ourselves. It comes from the Spirit of God. And we'd best be walking in His strength and in His power. And I love that this is a God who allows us to doubt and gently reminds us in a still, small voice, fear not, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is I, be not afraid, only believe. After his crucifixion, the disciples of Jesus are holed up in an upper room somewhere in Jerusalem thinking that their leader is gone. Jesus miraculously appears to them in bodily form, displaying his resurrected body, but there's somebody who isn't there. We know him as Doubting Thomas. And I hate that Thomas has got that stereotype for one scene in his life. You make a bad move in the Bible, they stick you with it. And Thomas is stuck with that adjective before his name. And he says, unless I see his hands, unless I see that pierced side, I will not believe. They gather together next week. Thomas is there and Jesus shows up. 
As Thomas, come and feel. Come and see. And Thomas gets on his hands and knees and he says, my Lord, my God. And then Jesus says something directly to you and me in case we're tempted to doubt. He says, Thomas, you have believed because you have seen, but blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. He's talking to you today. One of the New Testament writers put it this way, whom having not seen, you love. So you and I can take heart today because it's not nearly as important how much faith you have as who your faith is in that moves the mountains. Would you bow with me? Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.